this is love in there. And my name is Johannes Rompren. This is a podcast where I sit down with people and talk about love. In this episode, I sit down with Sally Rumble in her apartment in Brooklyn. I got to know Sally through Creative Mornings. She worked at the, at the headquarters in New York as the chief happiness officer. Quite a, quite a title. So she's, she's been kind of the contact to all, all the hosts all around the globe. Sally has been a, a, a truly big inspiration in the way she she acts. She's a social social rights activist and has been involved in a lot of projects and it's really something kind of her, her way of, of, of being really sets a, sets a great example. So it was a natural choice for for me to to ask if, if Sally had time to meet me. Sally is actually the, the first one here in my my podcast now that I meet for the second time. So you should probably also go and go and listen to the first first episode I did with her. You're gonna hear a bit more about her background. But yeah, here's our talk. I'm thinking where to start. Mm. Um, I think it would be interesting to talk about the leap you're doing at the moment. You're quitting your quitting your job and and then focusing your 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 energy on on other things. <laughs> could you could you elaborate on this one? <laughs> yeah. Um, well. I th- it just feels like it's the right time for me to make a leap. Um, yeah, so so I've been with Creative Mornings for five years. And in that time, I have been growing more and more into this identity of being an activist. I only really was comfortable with saying that maybe two, three years ago. And yeah, language is so important and labeling, it can mm. can be very, I guess, damaging. But once I was comfortable with that, I didn't feel like I was a fraud, you know, because... Then it comes from an honest place. And it's yeah, like... it comes from my heart and Activism is heart work. Mm. It's hard work and it's heart work. Um, And it's where I feel the most alive. And I have to follow that. It's very, very scary to think about what the future of that looks like in terms of paying my rent and, you know, building some kind of nest egg for me to retire on or 
Not that I aspire to retiring, but <laughs> but you know what I mean. Like, yeah, of I just course, don't want to be living on the street when I'm 85. Because yeah. um, this work doesn't doesn't pay. You yeah. don't get the the corner office, you know, with the view. <laughs> um, but I don't want that. I want to be. I want to be in the streets, and I want to be talking and learning from people who have um, really important lessons to teach me. This isn't something I thought about earlier, but now it comes to my mind uh, that is it... You're going to stay here, right? But is it also a work you could do in Australia? I don't or, know if I'm staying yeah. here. That's It's all up for... Yeah. Let's see what the universe yeah, throws really, at you. Yes, and I can say that since telling the universe I'm ready, I am being faced with so many different opportunities, which, you know, there are good things and bad things, um, or pros and cons, in all of these opportunities. And I really, it's a really, really nice problem to have. But I want to make sure that I choose the right one that serves my work as as an activist, um, or serves my identity as an activist yeah. enough. And there are different routes, there are different pathways you can take uh, as a white person with tremendous amounts of access. You know, I do have a corporation that I won't name seeking my talents um, and so well, that would be a very high paying job so do I do do I take that road and make the money and then pour that money back into my activism and you know pay my access forward to mm. communities and organizations that need it or do I really follow my heart and continue um, the creative activism projects that I really want to pursue. Um, when you talk about access, do you mean being white? Yeah, well, what I mean by access, yes, it, it, by being white and all the privileges that come with that. So being safe all the time, yeah. feeling safe all the time, um, with the exception of maybe, you know, late at night walking alone as a woman, but being represented across all platforms, you know, in the media, in business, um, never questioning, you know, my race or identity because it's the dominant one. Yeah. Um, and all of the stuff that comes with that, that others don't get. <laughs> <clears throat> I've also th thought a lot about um, activism and, and that it's it's something that I feel a calling, <laughs> but... You definitely have a calling for activism. <laughs> There's no question. But I'm still a bit like, like what does it mean? <laughs> and how, what is kind of my role? And what what, what is what is kind of the... Yeah, well, what are what are kind of the tools that, that that are best suited for me? 
but I think um, I, I said the, the, the same thing last time we we spoke that that these kind of your actions and then having people in the in the close circle of, of showing showing the way and I, I told you about my friend who's doing some activist work work in Helsinki and, and having these people close and seeing seeing what they're doing it kind of it helps oneself also to to navigate and see kind of what resonates with with your heart mm-hmm. and, and 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 also but it's interesting this kind of that inner struggle that you kind of you see something and you feel something but then the f- to actually act upon it it's it's another thing yeah <laughs> and it, it is it's, it's a completely different step with, with, with a completely different level of, of um, I would say like emotional investment mm-hmm. and, and, and really kind of dedication and as you said like like now you feel or you, you felt already sometime that you feel you stand strongly on your legs feet to, and say that I'm an activist and and and, and it feels it feels good and it feels it feels truthful and and, mm-hmm. and, and, and kind of the the small voice of of doubt is 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 diminished mm-hmm. <laughs> which is something really really beautiful and and um, I'm really happy for you <laughs> like like to, to take those steps and also like And I think also having you in Creative Mornings has been really important, like like with the activi- activist work, uh, even though it's nothing that has kind of isn't kind of directly shown in kind of in in Creative Mornings, but but because you 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 are the contact for many of the hosts that that do their work mm-hmm. <clears throat> on in each city I think it does affect <laughs> and and it has it has it has had a big purpose also I feel for for the Creative Mornings community um, so it's gonna be it's really interesting to see like who's who's gonna come come next mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Already, like I've been, I've been, I've been involved for four, four years almost. Yeah. Like when I started, like it took some time before then I actually started a chapter in Helsinki. But but the process that kind of probably started like four years ago. Uh, but how would you you just I, then you worked? Yeah, we spoke with you and there was Carly. Yeah. And Kevin. Mm-hmm. And already in four years, there's a lot of. Change, change that's yeah. been happening, and also thinking about my my team in in Helsinki, it changed like three times or something. <laughs> um, so the only thing in life that is is like certain is is, is the change. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, that's the one thing you can count on <laughs> in life. Could you name name some of the? Because I I also feel 
that it's the work you do, that it's it's work of love and it comes from from a place of love, like the actions. Mm. So that's why I also felt so compelled to to do this talk with you. And that this is actually the first first one I'm I'm doing like a second round with. Cool. I have a, I have a few with, with whom we planned that we're gonna do. We're gonna do it a second one at some time. So it's also nice to see kind of where we were like a year and a half ago and yeah and where we where we at now. What what are the what are the projects at the moment that take most of your your time and energy? Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> Creative Mornings is still yeah, yeah, my yeah. biggest project until um, the end of the month when I leave. But um, the stuff that I'm the work I'm really really excited about is um, continuing the We Love You project, which I don't know if you yeah, know about yeah. that. I uh, and this is a testament to just if you don't ask, you don't get, you know. And there's a lot of fear around asking for things that you know you think maybe this is too much to ask yeah. for, or I'm nobody. Why are they going to email exactly. me back? But um, that's 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 my story of, of doing the the love podcast. <laughs> it's it's all false, you know. It's yeah. all lies. Um, yeah. And it's it's a dangerous narrative because everyone deserves, you know, um, a platform, and you have to fight for it. So I was um, I knew that I was finishing up here, Creative Mornings, and I met with Brian, um, who came up with the idea for. The We Love You project and the photographer of the of the project, but apparently he just revealed to me recently that he was I was the first person he told, <laughs> and then I picked up the project and ran with it. Um, and so we met up at the beginning of the year, and we both came to this catch up with exactly the same thought that we need to keep building on this project. It had been a year since we'd touched it because I had medical issues last year and he had a baby. So we were both feeling the same thing. And so I, uh, I sent an email to <laughs> the Obama Foundation <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, because there's an event happening in Newark and we really, well, they're, that they're supporting. And we really wanted to do We Love You Newark because it's just across the river in New Jersey and it's one of the epicenters of opportunity gaps, really, for black men in particular. And so we're going to be... Uh, so I got an email back saying we, we, we would be thrilled mm -hmm. to have you. <laughs> and Probably. Followed by a phone call. Um, when will this be? On the 27th. I mean... This month. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, so we're going to set up at this youth summit. So it's like next week. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, we'll set up a booth and we'll uh, photograph. Gosh, they have 800 people coming. Yeah. I don't know if we'll get all 800, but. Um, and I'm going to take some video and, um, and you know, they encouraged us to speak with uh, the director of My Brother's Keeper. Um, 
which is an initiative of the Obama Foundation, and uh, because they would be interested in partnering um, if when we come to Chicago. Beautiful. So that's that is what I'm really excited about. Yeah. Um, and they said this should be a national campaign. It should be a national tour. And I was like, I know this thing's bootstrapped, you know. Yeah, yeah. This is like the tiny amount of savings that we have, and all that spare time and energy. Yeah. And anyway, so just to have that kind of validation is pretty cool. We'll see where that goes. The other one is, um, which I haven't spent enough time on, but I need to and I want to is uh, this newsletter, The Wake Up, um, which is targeted at, you know, my white community and giving white folks uh, tools and resources and letting them know about actions taking place, um, mostly in the Black Lives Matter movement uh, and in the resistance in general. And How has the feedback been? You know, it's all been positive, which I'm confused by. <laughs> I'm like, wait, if a woman of color was sending this mes- this newsletter out, mm. you know, they, there would be backlash. There would be comments. There would be, you know. Um, but it's like, and this is, a, I think this is a big part of the landscape and the movement and the, res- and the resistance until like a white person legitimizes or what the black female voice has been saying for centuries, other white people won't listen. Um, so that's, yeah, that's <clears throat> interesting. Uh, it comes to my mind, uh, uh, a friend of mine, uh, he, he wrote a book on poverty mm-hmm. and, and it's also kind of discussions that that's been been like active in 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 the poor communities in communities of the poor um for ages um but there's been this like huge communication gap between um between the how, how, how do you say it in English? But the the, the educated ones mm-hmm. and the, the ones in like in charge. Mm-hmm. Um, so so it, it was interesting to see, like really like it was got really tangible the fact that that Matthias um, he he's, he he really kind of struggled to to take an, a, a, another path and, and go to the university instead of of. Of working as a truck driver as, as his father and, and and kind of the whole his brothers and and the whole kind of like like, like really choosing following his heart and, and choosing a path mm-hmm. he felt important for him and and he wrote a book and, and suddenly he is he's listened to because he, he was able to kind of use the words mm-hmm. of I mean it's, it's, it's the same narrative uh, that's been talked about all the time but nobody's listening but then then suddenly when you kind of you translate that into into the 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 words of the intellectuals yeah and 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 suddenly he 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 became the the kind of 
then he was interviewed and he was in TV and magazines. Legitimized. Yeah, and and he was kind of the, the, the official poor, <laughs> and 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 I was also a bit horrified about all all the the crap he got, mm-hmm. like like there were people like 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 then especially like entitled people. Who, and entitled people who who were born into wealth and 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 have this idea that everybody mm-hmm. it's like all the possibilities are out there you just mm-hmm. you just you just have to you just you're just lazy if you're poor <laughs> and 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 there's a lot of this discussion going on and and, mm. and and so they're like throwing the ball at Matthias like 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 why like why do, why do you study literature of of course you're poor like you should right. you should go you should do some 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 real work uh-huh. And 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 there's so much like people like people come from such different worlds and they 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 don't want to see right they I mean it's it's really like often unconscious but it is a clear decision of not wanting to see yeah <laughs> even, even 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 though you lay it like yeah you lay it right open and and, and you're like look at this right and then they still like. They still find a way to to not look. <laughs> yeah, because it's uncomfortable, or it brings yeah. them it brings them shame, um, which is a big, unfortunately, a huge obstacle mm. in the way of getting through to people and doing the work. Um, what what I encounter a lot is if if I point out, particularly to white people, their privilege in situations, they're not ready to to face the fact that. Actually, yes, they did start a mile ahead of, you know, a person of color from birth, and so everything that has come to them has been, in some ways, just undeserved. It's not; um, they didn't necessarily have to work twice as hard like a person of color to be yeah. in the same position. So, and that brings shame. And then, what happens when people are in a place of shame? They get defensive. Mm-hmm. And so that's what you have to then tackle, like, and try and unpack that slowly and um, in in ways that where white people especially w- will receive that information. And um, it really goes back to this thing that I keep repeating in the work. You have to meet people where they are and you, you have to do the best you can to hold judgment mm. so hard. Um, <laughs> when you see ignorance, yeah, uh, yeah. when you experience high levels of ignorance, and I still have areas that I need to do work on myself. Clearly, I'm still learning, but so I'm guilty of it. But meeting people where they are and then strategizing how to reach them Um in ways that they're going to receive it. So in ways where they're not going to put up this defensive wall. Um, so that's one thing. And then the other the other thing that keeps showing up in my work is, I really believe this, until you have an emotional connection to the issue, the cause, the work that, that you're trying to change. So for instance, until someone has an emotional connection to your friend's poverty mm-hmm. because maybe they have a cousin or a friend or whatever who also lives yeah. like that. It's harder for them to care. And 
unfortunately. That's just the way human yeah, beings yeah. are made. Uh, I'm completely invested in, invested is the wrong word, but focused on the black community because I have so many relationships mm. and loved ones in my life uh, that I need to fight for. And that might beg the question, well, you know, what, what gives you the right? <laughs> um, and then I th come back to just thinking that my liberation is connected to your liberation. So that's why I, that's not the motivation for my work. Mm. Love is, but I firmly, strongly believe that, you know, nobody's free until we all are. I was thinking about education and like how that creating a awareness that it's it should be a integral part of also the education system. Is it is it like how how is it? Yeah. Um, you know, you you have to select yeah. it. You have to be already um, educated and aware that it exists. It's not something that it's not like English or math, yeah. you know. But I remember in 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 element is, is the elementary school the first Mm -hmm. uh, the first classes in school uh, we had this one day workshop um, I was seven or eight and I still remember it really really clearly um, the day started with you got you got you got it was a lottery <laughs> like you got a, you got a ticket which which said like your age and where you were from and and so that kind of determined your your your, your place for that day and then the day was full of tasks like like throwing a ball into the into a basket for mm -hmm. example and I remember I was I was from a developed country um, and I had to throw the ball from from far far away mm. and it was really really difficult And, and and it felt really unfair. Yeah. <laughs> and and um, and then I had the friends who who were really close who could mm -hmm. just could just drop the ball there. Mm -hmm. And 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 even this like really really simple thing mm -hmm. <laughs> um, that it, it gave myself a really kind of uh, a strong it made a strong emotional impact. Yeah. And and something that that I bring with me even today and 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 that's also a reminder of, of how how kind of how simple in a way like the tools they, they don't have to be that it isn't necessarily that complicated and right. it's as much about the will of 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 going into the comfort zone and, and especially then the responsibility of, of educators and, yeah. and, and how much how much power I mean, here you think, okay, it was the, the principal who thought this is an important thing to do. Yep. And 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 we're gonna invest a day for this. Yeah. And, and and we're gonna cut some other classes, but this is important. And 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 of course, there's a lot of planning and and, mm -hmm. and, and involved. But it's 
yeah, it probably comes up to priorities and and, and yeah. And, but wow, what an impactful workshop. Because um, yeah, like you say, it is so simple, and I, I'm sure the people who are on the front line just having to just pop the ball in from you know a foot away, they you understand the privilege in that moment because they probably can't even see you because they're you're behind them. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. why should they care about about you? Um, that's uh, very the, symbolic. Yeah, and the only kind of and the only experience they have is like, there's the basket. I have a ball. I put it there. Right. Exactly. <laughs> like, like what, what's, what's the problem? problem? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, it's a great, great like, metaphor. Like, for like you there back? Just, just come inequality. closer. <laughs> I can't. I'm back here. <gasps> yeah. 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 It does come down to priorities. It does come down to. Um, just like you say education mm. it's it's huge and reaching the babies and teaching them is uh, in some ways our only hope <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> because people get very comfortable very quickly um, as they get older but it's scary to, scary to see also like like the prejudice prejudice that's mm-hmm. right a prejudice um, like um, for example, experiencing like I hear something that my sons come from school and they said their friends said something, and and then I'm like oh shit like like the baggage yeah. <laughs> that comes then then that but then then again like then I, th- I feel the school system has has an ability to to kind of inter intervene. Mm-hmm. And 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 do an intervention on on kind of stopping, make making making a stop to the racist talk and to to <laughs> to acting badly. Um, no, I was, I was starting to think about my my boys. Uh, they 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 um, on first grade and on, on third grade. And uh, they have this zero tolerance theme now in the school, and 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 they gathered a group of one to two students from every class. It was funny to see that like, both of my boys were were asked to be part of of, of this kind of council, like this, like from one first to sixth grade. So they meet regularly and they they talk about actions they could do in school and. And, and now last week they had this kiosk of where people could 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 get either tasks or uh, something to do like to do good good deeds and good mm-hmm. acts. And, and I remember Casper, my 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 seven year old, he was he said he wanted to he he was allowed only to be one one day there at the kiosk. He would like to be there more. <laughs> um, so. Because I think a lot about like parenthood and and like how how, mm-hmm. how I set an example and 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 how I always feel that I'm not doing enough, but I guess I'm doing some things right. <laughs> I think you are. Um, and and especially like because when I was honestly a bit surprised because the boys are not behaving behaving well at home. <laughs> They're not respectful against each other and, and, mm-hmm. and against like, but but I, maybe that's just 
a sign that they live in a in a home that that gives them the the room to to let the extra steam out. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, <laughs> I don't know many brothers that behave and respect each other <laughs> at seven, but um, that reminds me of you know I was in Australia last month getting to spend some valuable quality time with my niece and nephew and my family. And one evening, my seven-year-old nephew, Owen, same age as Casper, he just got up and started clearing the table, taking people's plates. And and we said, oh, wow, thank you, Owen. Like not expecting this, you know, because he'd never done that before. And um, he'd rather be on his iPad, you know. And then at bedtime, I was tucking him in and and he said he said do you know i've never i've never cleaned the table before in my life but it felt so good <laughs> i'm going to do that every day and you know he's he probably forgot the next day but the fact that he was able to recognize yeah how good serving people felt um and he valued it. I, I came downstairs to my sister and her husband and said, you guys are doing good. <laughs> <laughs> we just turned a corner up there and yeah, that's, it's, it's all very as it should be. Yeah. 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 Those are like amazing moments. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. One more story. He also yeah. doesn't like zoos because, oh no. They were studying freedom at school. Yeah. And he, Owen was asked what he thought uh, freedom was. And he, he said, uh, was that the question? I can't remember. It, but he mentioned something about how animals are not free in, in the zoos because they're in cages. And he really was not okay with that. <laughs> and so... Again, to be able to recognize that at seven is, yeah. or maybe even six, it's pretty cool. And I was, I was uh, like, I was just thinking about your your background and and so you're from New Zealand, Australia. Uh, sorry, Australia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sorry, it's okay. <laughs> I'm over that silliness. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's like it's like. Okay, from Finland, so it's 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 like it's part of Russia. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but what, what what made you come? What what? How how did you end up in New York? Uh, so, I think you know I got lucky. I I studied industrial design at university, and I always knew there was more to the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Then Canberra, Australia, the small city that I grew up in. And, um, you know, I was hungry to learn and discover. And so I applied for an internship uh, at a company called Smart Design here in New York, and I got it. And I was I was determined to make this three months turn into a full-time position. And again, luckily, I was able to do that. And... So that was 
18 years ago. Yeah. And then you've been... Because with the visas, it's not always that easy. So then you, you've had a, a work ever since. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I have a green card now, yeah. which gives me a lot more freedom. But yeah. at first, yes, I had to be sponsored by the company that I was working for, yeah. which is not ideal. But yeah. Yeah. You're talking earlier about like like the power, like how, how we're... Mm, like how the finances a lot often determine our choices mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and sometimes you kind of feel like people's like the meaning of life for, for many people is to, to pay their mortgage it's like this can't be the meaning <laughs> um, it's so not the meaning the activism was it something that did did you have like, did you do actions already like in younger age or is it something? Yeah, I think it came from, I, I think I was born this way, but uh, things that occurred in my earlier life that led to this moment um, were encountering, you know, like the body shop early, which um, Anita Roddick being the founder of the body shop and being a fierce humanitarian. You know, she taught me from a young age through her stores about activism. I was signing petitions against animal cruelty, mm. you know, because she was against that in cosmetics and body creams and things. Um, and there was always a campaign in her, in the windows of her stores, which mm. I was so attracted to, like, in for the right reasons. Um, you know, how can this be? How can this injustice exist? And then I also remember um, the land rights campaign in Australia from our Aboriginal community. who They were always fighting for their sacred yeah, land. Yeah. And so I grew up with that and I grew up with land rights graffiti. Were on... your parents active? In, in... Yeah, they were. Um, not as much <clears throat> growing up in, I'd say, like, in a political way, but my mother has always been able to stand up against um, power. Yeah. <laughs> Even if it came down to like writing 1700 letters to get out of a parking fine when she knew that she was in the right, you know, she just doesn't, yeah. she's not a pushover. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so that was my role model. And she also helped, she grew up in Canada and she helped Americans who were dodging the draft. Um, once they crossed the border into Canada, she helped find housing for them and jobs for them. Dodging the draft, so not going to the to Not the, going to, the to Vietnam. Yeah. yeah, the Vietnam War. So they were called draft dodgers. And... Um, I, guess, I guess they weren't that popular. No. <laughs> They weren't that popular in America uh, and they had to hide, you know, they had yeah. to leave the country. And she was in a position to, you know, yeah. activate herself politically and, and help them, which was awesome. Um, and then, you know, my dad has just always been a very fair person. So 
I think it comes from a place for both of them. It comes from a place where they experienced a lot of loss in their early lives. And my mom is a two-time immigrant and she was born in a ref refugee camp. So she, she understands. Where, where is she from? She's from, she was born in Germany after yeah. the war to a Russian mother. So um, they were displaced people after the war and they chose Canada to migrate to because their family was migrating there. Yeah. And I really, really believe that until you've really lived and experienced struggle, mm. it's, it's hard to, sorry, a lot of empathy for humanity comes with struggle. And if you haven't experienced that, it's it's very hard for you to do this mm, work. Yeah, yeah. And I think I've inherited mm. some of that from my ancestors. I was thinking about like, also you can't like. Like if you would like somebody to, to learn, you can't just like put them in no. struggle. <laughs> no, you, it, that comes through storytelling yeah. and, and really sharing enough experiences with people. Uh, sorry, that's why I find my job so important because I want to share with other white women my experiences so that they, they hopefully can yeah. see themselves in me. I don't, I don't, I see that as the most effective mm. and people have said to me, you know, I'm, I'm doing this and that, you know, I'm showing up to this protest or I'm signing this petition or I'm running for office or I'm joining this group because I see you out there yeah. doing it. And yeah. so it's this kind of bridge to, um, to the movement, to the work, to the resistance. And I'm not even from here. So, that's actually something that I've just recently become aware of. Or, um, yeah, one the last podcast I, I, I published, um, the one I spoke with, she 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 kind of articulated how like like me showing up mm -hmm. gives her strength showing up and I never thought about this um, that's why showing up is so important yeah I never thought about this um, but I've learned about it now when I start to get feedback about people appreciating my like my, that I share about our f struggles with our daughter and, and, and the illness and and I shared about uh, our it was like now five years, first of February, it was five years since our miscarriage. And I made a Facebook post of that and, and, and how it resonated with people and, and people who, who weren't, who felt, felt it was difficult to talk about it. They, mm -hmm. Then when I, I spoke about my experience, then suddenly they had the strength to say something about their own experience. And even though um, that has never kind of been my idea in my actions, but it's been beautiful to 
to learn and see how it unfolds and, mm-hmm. and it also gives much more it gives deeper meaning <laughs> to, 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 to the actions I'm doing and, and, and at the end like it gives it really gives also the strength to, to keep on working and to see it absolutely that, 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 like to understand that it's I'm not only doing this for me that the fact that I am doing it for me and I'm being honest with myself helps other to be honest with themselves mm-hmm. and and that's kind of a fresh revelation for me and yeah. especially when, when you told tell about this experience it came came to my mind right it's scary and it's very unpopular work but look what happens when you share your story mm. like you say you're opening a door um, and it's we're seeing this time and time again thank goodness it's such a great time to be alive because we're seeing this with the me too movement yeah, we're seeing yeah. this with black lives matter we're seeing this with the resistance people are finally opening up and challenging these silly stigmas particularly with miscarriage you know people don't talk about that and so to have yeah. especially a man come up come with his story of what it felt like um it really challenges this narrative that we all stick to like no you don't talk about that um yeah i thought a lot about that like as especially like okay like like the male um the male uh role models are really limited <laughs> or yeah. they're really narrow um so so I come but i feel really blessed of of having kind of reflecting about, about like how or like where did I find my security of, of kind of following my inner voice and, 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 and having kind of keeping that sensibility alive yeah <laughs> and 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 I feel that's also a really uh, a really compelling I say like area of work like yeah. like men's work Absolutely, and and, and and creating, kind of dismantling the the toxic masculinity. That, yeah. that's 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 like so devastating in yeah. in our society, yeah. and, and and makes so much harm. Right, um, and and I'm thinking about activism. I think I'm, this is probably a space. Where, where I will, where I really feel like this is this is something I want to explore and, and something that, that I think I, I have have yeah. to give. We need you. Yeah. <laughs> it makes me think of you know that metaphor, which is like the crabs in the barrel. Um, I don't know if you've heard of this before. No. So if you put crabs in a barrel, they will they will use each other to climb up. Mm. You know, to climb to the top to try and get out. Yeah. And so when we talk about like people who are different communities that are being oppressed, we can't be attacking each other because we're all in this barrel together. So we shouldn't be questioning like, well, wait, you know, um, how do we get out of here? We need to be questioning who built this fucking barrel and who put this barrel here. And so that's a metaphor for the system. And, And up until now, privilege is a spectrum and there are many white men who are not privileged but um, in some ways 
but they do hold a lot more power than the rest of us. And so if we are to tear the system down or through revolution or redesign it or reform it or tweak it, people who are in power, typically the white man, must listen to the crabs because they know how to change it. They've studied the barrel, barrel, they've been oppressed by the barrel for centuries. And so I'm particularly talking about women of color. They are the ones with the answers on how to redesign this system so that it is safe and it serves everyone. Until white men come to the table and listen and learn from women of color, nothing's gonna change. I love that you have a recipe. <laughs> yeah, crabs and barrels and white people and black women. Um, because it is, and it's true that white supremacy can only be dismantled by white people. Mm. We have a long way to go. And the analogy, it's really, it, it's, it's, it, Funny, like how, how these visualizations, they really kind of help you yeah. like understand and see, like it, it becomes really clear, like you have, you have the, you have the 1%, like looking at the barrel and like, let them, let them fight. Mm -hmm. We're okay here. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't, let's, yeah, let's, let's make the barrel a bit stronger. Right. Let's <laughs> like, paint it a different color. Yeah. Make it a bit higher. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Like it's, it becomes so clear. Yeah. Are there like, um, uh, can you, can you name, name some, some like, cause I've heard some of the voice, I've seen some, some videos of, of, from people from white men from, from this 1% that, that like, are working and doing some some yeah coming to the table yeah yeah um well i've seen mark zuckerberg hmm. is giving back and i think uh i think there's even he i don't know if there's a foundation at, at facebook i want to hope that there is um that gives to organizations who are tackling in particular, criminal justice reform. Yeah. Uh, he's he's okay, playing a big role in that. He's active there. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Bill and Melinda Gates yeah. Foundation, they've been active for a long time. Um, George Soros. I don't know him. What is he doing? He's, you know, considered by the right wing to be, you know, crazy. <laughs> fundamental um, lefty, but he's a billionaire that gives a lot of his money away to organizations in the resistance and social justice programs. And basically, you know, trying to alleviate poverty. Um, It's hard to think yeah, of yeah, white yeah, men. Yeah. 
How, and There's got to be more. <laughs> <laughs> we have three. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've heard some uh, about some criticisms, criticism also about like greenwashing, like that 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 the way you like to to avoid taxes, you you put some money on. But does it does it then even matter? Like even even all the money that goes into good causes are money that goes into good causes. Yeah, right. Well, money is just one arm, yeah. right? Um, time and energy is way more valuable. Yeah. So really practicing what you preach and and yeah, setting an example, walking the walk. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, so I was talking with with Kevin, who met up with Kevin on. On Saturday. Oh, cool! And and he was talking about his work and and engaging communities, creating communities. And and also, I was talking about the the fact that how it's so much more valuable to to get some hands-on feedback of of people's experiences instead of just saying, okay, there's ten thousand likes. Oh <laughs> like, yeah, like, you, it's a bit the same thing, like like. Money is good, but but you kind of need like mm-hmm. that, that. That's the, the strong stronger vehicle is is like is is kind of actions and and setting an, an example. Right, money is the most passive way to contribute. Yeah, to any cause. Um, that's the easiest. No, the easiest is to sign a petition. It's like this. There's a commitment curve, right? Yeah. yeah. I call it the commitment curve of justice. <laughs> and it starts with, okay, what can I do to, to engage with, let's say, Black Lives Matter? Sign this petition. Okay, I can do that. That's the first step in the curve. Share it with your entire network. That's the second you know, level of commitment. It's a little bit higher than just signing one petition. And then the third it would be to donate money. Um, after that, it goes on to joining a social justice organization, running for offices at the top, yeah. you know. Um, but there's many, many different steps along that curve that one can take. And wherever you start, doesn't matter, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it all contributes yeah, yeah. to change. You said, like, uh, like where the work like your work that it comes from from love mm-hmm. uh, what do you mean by that well just um, love <laughs> for humanity <laughs> no matter what color race sexual identity you know physical mental ability religion um, but more specifically you know I'm I've just I've encountered situations in my life where I've seen just overt racism um, and how angry it's made me and how compromised it's made me and my you know partner at the time and so I mean one example is there's many reasons I do this work but my partner And I were late for something, for a party or an event or something, and we were standing on the street and we were trying to get a cab. 
And I was already stressed because it was an important event and we were late. So, you know, you're already in that mindset. And I was like, you know, just chill. And then there were no cars stopping. And my partner, who was patient, had to step away because he knows full well, and so do I, that they don't stop. They won't stop. And I got angrier in that moment because it was delaying us even more, and I was angry about then I was taking on basically racism in America in that moment on top of us being late. And we got in the car and he, he looked at me and he's like, you're, you're angry? And he's laughing. He's like, don't waste your energy on this. Like, don't let them win, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, that was a really important perspective for me. Yeah. And it's the only way that he manages to stay sane yeah, 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 in these yeah, moments. Yeah, and this yeah. is just one incident yeah, yeah. in his life, which is plagued 24-7 with yeah. incidences. So, um, again, I have that real-life experience of having been... I guess, uh, what's the right word? angered by this and at a more systemic level just mass incarceration and how that how that works um i can't not do this work knowing that that experiment worked so well for the u.s government like i i knowing the information and not doing anything is just makes one complicit so i choose not to Could you, could you tell about uh, the system? Oh, God. So... In brief. <laughs> yeah, where do I start? Uh, well, 70s, Nixon, when he was president. This is on record, actually. There's a recording of him telling him, one of his aides during the 70s, the problem is the blacks. They're taking our jobs. What can we do, basically, to make it look like... Make, what can we do to solve this problem that we have that doesn't look racist? To put them in prisons. Yeah, so then came the war on drugs. During the crack ep epidemic, there were all these disparities between sentences for white people versus black people for the same crime. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, How, like, but how, how, how is that, that kind of, uh, how do they argument for these kind of decisions? Like how is, like how, how, how are Because they were all racist in power. All the men at the top who were making these decisions and laws were white men. Um, but I mean, I should backtrack, like Nixon was also, um, you know, campaigning. He had an election to win and he had, he had the choice actually to be, to tackle the drug problem that they that started in the 70s after the Vietnam War with law or oh, sorry with law and order or to take a um, rehabilitation kind of health yeah yeah pathway and medical pathway 
Um, and because he was up for re-election, he chose law and order. Because, you know, everyone wants you to be tough on crime. No one wants to feel unsafe. And imagine how different the world would be if he'd chosen the path of rehabilitation, which, you know, isn't it ironic that that's what we're all talking about during the opioid epidemic, which, you know, mostly targets white people. It was happening in more white communities than anywhere else. Yeah. All of a sudden, it's not a crime anymore. It's a, a health issue. So, yeah, mass incarceration was Nixon's solution. It's, it's uh, makes me think about the, like the press coverage of of crimes, like in Finland, for example, when, when there's some like when when there's a when there's a foreigner, it's 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 the foreigner and and it's the angle is 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 always how she said when when it's a fin then then the discussion goes to to him having a mental illness mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and him like getting the proper support for his mm-hmm. <laughs> even though he has murdered someone or something and and it's it's a crazy crazy narrative it is a crazy narrative and we're seeing it play out right now with yet another mass shooting um i want to pull up this <laughs> instagram post that's circulating which really defines it very well um you know what should we do in the aftermath of a mass shooting another one um was the murderer muslim <laughs> Yes. Okay. Travel bans. No. Was the murderer Hispanic? Yes. Okay. We build a wall. <laughs> was the murderer like, no, wasn't, if wasn't Hispanic, was the murderer black? Yes. Okay. We need more cops in prisons or no. Was the murderer white? Yes. Well then we send our thoughts and prayers and it's a mental health issue. It's not a gun issue. No, it's it like blows my mind away, and this is like, how how can it's it's so transparent? Like, um, yeah, because I think it's inherently human, unfortunately. Because I think about when I think about how are we going to, are we ever going to get rid of racism? Are we ever going to dismantle white supremacy? Um, and I think about that. Obviously, I've thought about it for years, and I keep coming back to well. Yes, we will when the aliens come and we all recognize each other for the first time in our history as humans. And then that's what we hold on to. Oh, you're human. Okay, because we have to go oppress someone else, which is the aliens. <laughs> so I think, you know, if if it, if it weren't white people mm. oppressing everyone else, would it be a different structure of oppression? Probably. Which is kind of sad to think about. Yeah, it's very sad, but it's it's, but it's of, human. It sounds really true. Mm. And like, if you look at the history, like oppression is is a, is a sad part of humanity. Yeah, it is. I I have to think that you know there's another 
there's another way. Otherwise, I wouldn't do the work. No. But yes, history does tell us that this is what we've been doing for centuries. I'll end this with with, with, a, with a question about, uh, like, where do you find? Um, because the work is hard and and it's definitely not the the easiest route to to do to to go um so where do you find strength when you feel tired and you you and you think okay let's I'll just yeah. I'll just fuck this I'll just I'll just Yeah, no, I, I I've never had a fuck this moment because yeah. I feel so connected to the work and I feel so alive when I do it. But yeah, there are moments when I feel um, deflated and like nothing's ever going to change. Or there are just moments when I'm traumatized because it's another police shooting or yeah. it just the the weight of it is hard. And it is real trauma. Um, and I always think of, thank God, the our elders and the people who've come before us who've who were committed to the struggle. And I learned from them, and I remember their words. And you know, I'll I'll just pick up James Baldwin, or I'll remember what John Lewis said about having like hope being the most important yeah. thing in this work, and if you don't have it you can't do the work or you know Paul Robeson who said art is the gatekeeper of truth you know just keep creating keep creating keep making keep because it's such a clever way of getting the message out um well and it's it works yeah so it's efficient and sneaks up on people or I mean, I'm very lucky to have shared many rooms and moments with Harry Belafonte, who's, you know, still a living civil rights fighter. Um, yeah. Yeah. How, um, if people want to do something, they don't know where to start you, mm-hmm. you already spoke about the the ladder yeah the commitment curve yeah everyone has something to contribute to activism everyone has a skill everyone can activate themselves if you if you play the guitar sign up to teach kids in underserved communities at a community rec center at a after school care at a you know, pay that access, that skill forward to kids who might not otherwise have that opportunity. If you can cook, activists need to eat. (laughs) And it's often the last thing that they're thinking Mm -hmm. about. Um, If you want to learn, just connect with it, with someone who's doing the work and say, what do you need? I'll help you um, be a student. I think where everyone is, we we're constantly flipping between being a teacher and student throughout life. And so I think that there's so much room for people who are 
busy in the movement to teach others just by having them tag along. Um, yeah, that's what I would say. How do you, how do you, where yeah. do you start? So find a local course and... and, and yeah, and there are plenty. Yeah. I mean, everybody needs help. Yeah. Um, it helps if you're, like I said, you know, kind of emotionally connected to the work yeah. because maybe you have a loved one who's exactly. experiencing exactly. that or... Um, you do it out of the goodness of your heart. Mm. Good. This is a good place to stop. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. No, I'm really, I'm really... It's been amazing. Amazing few days here in New York. I bet. It's, and, and also the fact that like... Like sit, sitting down with these topics many hours a day, it's like, it's, it's mind-blowing. <laughs> yeah, this and, is the work worth doing. Yeah. This is your work, and you don't want to stop. No. Yeah, that's when you know that you, you're doing the right work for you. And I can see how just talking about love all day, every day would be amazing, <laughs> just amazing. And I think there needs to be more of this as we become more and more disconnected yeah. from each other. And also, like, it's been talking about feedback, and like, it's been beautiful to see also those like encounters. Let's say, speaking generally about, about, about the podcast work, is how like. I'm just me. I'm just being me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm just. I'm just. I'm just showing up. <laughs> exactly. And and, and and seeing kind of the immense value of of just showing up and and, and just being present in the moment and 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 I've had like people like being really. It's been a strong emotional experience for them to mm. have the talk and to have me being interested in them. Mm-hmm. And and that also like lets me think that it's crazy that we don't we don't have this connection. We don't and, we don't feel seen. We don't get those those chances to to be seen. Yeah. Um, I I went to a dinner party recently where oh you'd love this card game I have that asks really interesting questions about empathy. You could what's make it, what's you should name? make one for love. It's called Questions on Empathy. I think. Okay. Um, there was just five or six of us, and the question was, what's the one question you repeatedly ask yourself? And we all had the same question, every single one of us. And it was, am I good enough? Yeah, yeah am, I was the, the only thing I was thinking about as well. Like, or am I enough? Am I yeah, enough? Like, yeah. am I good enough? And, you know, I was in a room full of really amazing people, yeah. and we all ask ourselves that. So, which show goes to show that it is we are not seen we are not told that we are enough yeah enough um and that leads to all kinds of problems <laughs> i think we'll start we'll continue our discussions on lunch and yeah we'll stop the recording sounds good good thank you Thank you. Thanks for listening. And I want to thank 
Yuri Pirinen. He's been helping me with the sound work. And the music you hear here in the background is, is by him. And I was thinking here about the summer. The summer is coming and should I have a, should I have a break with, with the podcast? But it looks like I'm trying to to push this through. <laughs> so, so there's going to be a podcast coming out every second week. Even through the summer. Happy to have you along. Bye bye.